Turn with me to Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 5. For a moment, I, I want us to think about something. But we find it in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Three simple verses consisting of, I don't know, probably 30 words total. But if we get this, then we understand life. We're mature in our walk. If we don't get this, then we get tossed to and fro based on circumstances, based on desire, our own personal desires, unsurrendered to God. We stay unchecked. And while we may be saved and while we might know the Lord, we wallow around in self-gratification disguised as Jesus. Look at this verse. Verse 15, chapter 5 of Ephesians. See then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. I love how Jesus in the scripture and Paul here in this verse is always talking about either you can make your life wise or you can make your life a fool. You can build upon the rock and be wise or you can build upon sand and be a fool. And here it is, Paul is saying, see then that you walk carefully. The idea is you're moving forward in life. You're walking forward. You're progressing forward. Because God, it doesn't matter if you're in the hospital bed, God never wants us to sit idle. Unless it is to be on our knees, which is still pursuing Him. And so He says, be careful how you walk. Not as fools, but as wise. Okay, Paul, how do I do that? How do I walk carefully as a wise man as opposed to a foolish man? And by the way, there, evidently there's nothing in between. Either you're wise or you're foolish. It's not like I'm fool wise. Here's what he says, verse 16. Walk carefully, not as fools but as wise, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, that word, redeeming the time, is interesting. I used to read this verse, and I would think, okay, I'm to be, walk wisely, walk carefully, and redeem the time. To me that meant as a person who's more of an A-type personality who tries to get, you know, something that takes an hour, do it in ten minutes. And then at midnight you're still trying to get things done, right? I would look at that and say redeem the time. I understood it to mean to get the most out of every minute. Make back any lost time. Be efficient in my, in my structure every day. 
make wise decisions in what I spend time on and what I not spend time on. I understood that to mean to redeem the time meant that I make the most of the time that I have in the day. But that's not what Paul said. In the Greek, there's two words for time. One is the Greek word kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, not kairoserp, kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. What that means is time, right? Then you have the Greek word chronos, C-H-R-O-N-O-S, which means time. Well, that didn't help us, Joe. I understand. didn't help me either. Chronos is the word that is not used here. Chronos is where we get our English word chronology, which would be, as I understood that verse, hey, walk carefully, be wise, make the most of every minute, the chronology of the day, the chronos of the day, every minute and hour in day, of the year. What's my goals for the year? That's not what Paul says. He says, well, be careful how you walk, redeeming the kairos, redeeming the, get this, fixed season. Kairos is, there's a starting point and an ending point. It's a season. One translation translates this as, make the most of every opportunity. But the word there is literally, make the most of the season. from, From this point to this point, make the most of this season. Make the most of this opportunity. Why do we do that? What makes us wise? Well, look at this. Make the most of or redeem the fixed season because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In other words, make certain that when God gives you a fixed season in your life, that you make the most of that fixed season because the days are evil. And if you allow yourself, you can waste the fixed season by wallowing in your circumstance, wondering what's going to happen, feeling sorry for yourself, having a pity party, wasting an opportunity, doing what you want to do instead of what God wants to do, trying to understand the circumstance instead of just living in the circumstance for God, trying to do all of this stuff, and we miss the opportunity that sits before us. Because we have eyes that are unwise where we see, we don't see God's will. Instead, he says, understand the Lord's will. Now, what's the Lord's will? We see him tell us numerous places about his will. His will is to give thanks under all circumstances. We see that. We understand the Lord's will is to be in the word, to pray, to surrender to God. To lean on him, to call out to him, to pray to him, to sing to him, to rejoice in him, to worship him. He tells us to be careful. 
Be cautious. How you walk, make the most of the fixed opportunity, the fixed season. Don't be unwise, but be wise and understand the Lord's will. And what's that have to do with us? In your life, you have fixed seasons, do you not? We all have times where, okay, I, I am sick, I have a disease, I have to go to the doctor, or I've got a bad time during, at work right now, or a season with my spouse, or a season of wondering about the future, or a great opportunity that sits in front of me, or this is my time to, to do something that, 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 that this is a, a great opportunity for me and my family, or whatever the case may be, we have fixed seasons. Brother Fred has a fixed season right now. A time where he started getting short of breath, a time that he goes into the do- to the doctor, a time that he ends up having the robot snake around his heart. What an odd concept. And now he's at Mobile Infirmary, he has a season, and when he gets home, this next six weeks or so for him to recover is a fixed season in his life. For Fred Wolf, he has to look at this and say, this is a fixed season, I must walk carefully, not as a fool, but I've got to make the most of this six weeks that I'm at home recovering from heart surgery, what will I do? Will I feel sorry for myself? Will I gripe and complain? Or will I stand up and, and reach out to God and use this a time to pray, a time to be still before God, a time to, to, to reflect on who God is, a time for God to do not just a physical healing in me, but a continual spiritual renewal in my own life because we all have to have that. What will Fred Wolf do with these six weeks? A fool would waste it. A wise man sees it as a season and does something with it. We all have confidence that Brother Fred will do just as he did in the spring. He used that time to really grow close to the Lord in a great, great way. We know he'll do that. But how about you? How about me? What do you do with this fixed seasons in your life? It's kind of like, in simple terms, a football team going out at every level, high school, college, or pro, or even little kids. What do they do with this season? At the end of the season, they can look back and say, I sure wish we would have done some different things. Well, we blew that opportunity. We blew that season. Or they made the most of the season. And the same is true in your own life. When you face circumstances, and last week we looked at circumstances, or if you face, here's a job opportunity, whatever it may be. Guys, I'm getting some feedback on this. I don't know why. It's this. What do you do with what God has given you? And if you're wise, you'll make the most of that season. If you're a fool, you'll blow the season. It's that simple. If you're wise, you'll be careful to understand God's will. If you're a fool, you just waste it and never understand and see what God's doing. Now I want to take this and apply it for a moment 
to the situation that all of us here today are in. It's Luke 14. See that we walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. Making the most of the time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. You know what we can learn from this? The Lord's will puts us in seasonal times. Some seasons we like, some seasons we don't. Some seasons are mountaintops, other seasons are valleys. But we all have seasons. Now, at Luke 4.18 Fellowship, we have an opportunity. The fixed season is that the founding pastor, who we all love so much, is, had a second valve replacement and is now out for six weeks. It's a fixed season. Here we are moving forward. Have this building going, and we've been giving to that, and we're moving forward, and we come and to break ground in June or July, and we've got these plans, and we've got momentum through the summer. Wednesday nights have been packed out, and here's growing every week, and we've seen God move and God work, and we're moving forward, and we've got momentum, and everything is good, and we've got a great team of leadership amongst the church, and, some, and, 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 and God is at work, and we're moving to this place, and then you take the, the founding pastor and you remove him for six weeks, who we all love so much. We would be a fool if we turn around and say, Fred Wolf's out, we're going to sit back and coast for six weeks. I don't know how else to put it. But we're wise if we understand and we see God's will. We have to say, was it the Lord's will for Fred Wolf to have a second valve replacement? Did that catch the Lord off guard? Is Fred Wolf where God has him right now for a season? Oh, yes. So we have to say, well, we see that's the Lord's will. How do we respond to that is the question. What do we do in our own spiritual life is the question. What will we do with the seasons in our own life right now in the fall of 2012 is the question. What are you doing with your family is the question. What do you do in your job? The opportunity the Lord gives in your workplace is the question. You see, all of us have to come to a place of understanding what God's, that whatever happens to us, that as the Word of God says, that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord or are called according to His purpose. So when seemingly bad things happen, we still see that it is for our good, but if we don't see it for our good, we waste the opportunity, thus we become foolish. But if we see this as everything works for good, and we'll be a part of God, and we'll walk with God carefully in the situation, as we move forward, we see that God is at work, and we make the most of that opportunity. Therefore, we don't sit back 
and rest when things happen in our life that we don't like. Instead, that is when we fall on our face before God and we get up and we walk forward to the power of Jesus Christ or by the power of Jesus Christ to the glory of Jesus Christ because we're not people who get dictated by circumstances. Instead, we always point to Christ in and through no matter what happens to us. It's about him. And if we turn around and we say, Fred is in the, is that, Brother Fred's out for six weeks, and we coast, and we act like we can't do anything, then we are a man-centered church. But not Luke 4.18, Right? You see, here's what we've heard. We heard it over and over. Y'all know this to be true if you're a part of Kata Chill. That's a man-centered church. People follow the man. Take the man out and it falls apart. They come only for his preaching. This is our opportunity as Luke 4.18 fellowship, to say, no, 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 we're not doing that. We refuse to be a part. Or, you know, we can't get caught up in people saying this or that in the rumor mill. But instead we say, no, 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 no. We'll worship Jesus no matter who's leading, no matter where we're going. We are people of Jesus and people of the book. And we'll worship Him if I'm the only one left on the planet. Right? This is an opportunity, not for us to sit and coast or for us to fall apart or for us to sit and say, we're not going to show up or I don't like that or whatever. Listen, let me tell you what, let me let you in on a secret. You want to win a football game, you study how the defense plays defense. Or if you're on the defensive coach, you study how the offense plays offense. And you say, you know what, in this circumstance, this is how the, off- the play the offense is going to run. And you prepare yourself for that. Let me make one thing clear. You take any organization that has any spiritual depth to them at all. This is why we are to walk carefully. You take any church or spiritual organization who has any depth at all. You remove the leader, Satan. Look at the history of mankind. Satan comes in and he starts to try to divide and conquer while the leader is out. That's how he operates. So what we do is we say, we know the tricks and wiles of the devil. We've seen you do that time and time again. You've done it against my own life. And you won yesterday, but by God, with his help, we'll win today. That's why the scripture says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. What many of us do is we turn around and we try to fight the devil without submitting to God first. And we get our tails kicked in. No, what we are going to do at Luke 4.18 during our fixed season is we get before God and we pray like never before and we hunger and thirst after righteousness and we seek the Lord and then we say we submit to God and then we resist the devil and we say, devil, you have no place at Luke 4.18 in the name of Jesus Christ. By the blood and the authority of Jesus Christ. See where I'm going with this? So first and foremost, we must understand that defensively, we must say no to divisiveness. You say, well, did something happen? No, nothing happened except the lights went out tonight, this morning. 
What I'm saying is you prepare for the game before the game. What I'm saying is we have to prepare ourselves defensively by being offensively and submitting to God and resisting the devil because we know he tries to divide when the leader is out. And how we do that is, y'all, you, you know the old illustration that an old lion attacks the weakest in the group and that's where he sits in the bushes and he hides out and he's waiting if this bush was around, I'd be behind the bush, right? And he's waiting, he's looking, he's looking, he's looking, he goes, there's one I can attack. Look how weak he is. And then, bam. But what's the responsibility of the herd? Responsibility of the herd is to protect those who might be most vulnerable or weak in the flock. And you stay in the flock and you don't let yourself drift aside. What's Jesus say? Don't give a toehold to the devil. We come back. We stay. It's a part. So first off, we've got to understand that we've got a fight on our hands. And if you show up for a fight and you don't fight, you get beat. It's common sense, isn't it? But if you come out and you say, uh-uh, Satan, you have no business here. This place belongs to Jesus. My heart belongs to Jesus, right? Then we resist that. That's number one. Number two, we see the will of God. We know that Brother Fred being out doesn't catch anyone, doesn't catch God off by surprise. It caught us kind of by off. I mean, in some ways it does, in some ways it doesn't. You know, when you have a leader who's 74, 75 years old, you kind of expect things to happen. But God turns around, and some of y'all say, no, you don't. Okay. But you turn around, and we say, here's the will of God. We see the will of God. What will we do with that? This is an opportunity for Luke 418 Fellowship to prove more than as much as any time in our history or any time that we will ever be that we're not a man-centered church. And let me flip that around. Say, well, maybe for the, a cynic or two, maybe. Well, he's saying that before because he he's setting himself up because he wants to make sure they're like, listen, if I set myself up, then we become a man-centered church as well. Right. And one of the reasons this works is, as Brother Fred said to me before I ever started here, he said, Joe, you know why this is going to work? I said, tell me. He said, because I'm not jealous of you and you're not jealous of me. We're both wanting to seek the Lord and encourage one another and help one another. Listen, Fred Wolf is my spiritual father in life since I was five years old. I'll never be Fred Wolf in my eyes. You know what I'm saying? So it's foolish of me to say, hey, I'm kind of, this is my time to shine for six weeks. No, it's not. That's, that's just ignorant. It's our time as the congregation, the church of Luke 418, 
to seek out Jesus as much as any time before, maybe even more. How come this couldn't be a time for God to do great, mighty things in our lives spiritually? How come this couldn't be a season where we're really pressed into Christ? How come this couldn't be a season where we actually grow? In in physical number and spiritually. I think it can be. But the thing is, we've got to see this as an opportunity. God's will. Where we make the most of this fixed season. From a physical, if we were a business and we didn't understand the Jesus concept, we'd say, here we are in the middle of this building project. Everything's going along. Leader gets second valve replacement. Boy, we're in trouble. If we're, if we're, it's changed on the stock market, our stock would have went down last week. But aren't you glad that we're not a part of the stock market? Matthew 6.33. Flip with me if you will. It's an old familiar verse. That I know we've talked about so many times. I've got to find a light that works. Here we go. Y'all are in the back. I don't know what you're going to do. Just listen. <laughs> Jesus talking. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day. Is its own trouble. Y'all are smart. You understand that verse clearly. So there's no need to go into it much other than we understand that tomorrow has enough worry of its own, so we don't worry about tomorrow. We focus in on today, and it says there in 33, seek first the kingdom. Well, let me say something about kingdom. The word kingdom, we always think in terms of seek first the place. The kingdom, the place of God, heaven, that's not what it says. It's seek first the rule. That's what it means by a kingdom there. The rule of God and his righteousness. What is righteousness? Being right with him. So what we have is seek first the priority, the primary place is to seek first the rule of God. Of God in your life. Which means we don't seek after heaven. We seek after the one who sits on the throne in heaven. 
We seek after the one who is, lives within us, that died for us, that paid it all as we sang about a moment ago. We seek after that is who we seek after. His rulership, his righteousness in my life, that's what we seek after. And God will take care of the rest. So going back to Luke 4.18. What will we seek in this fixed opportunity? What do we seek? What do we pursue? Will we be right with God? And will will we seek after, chase after the rulership of Christ, or do we chase after complacency or despair or circumstance or self-absorbed gratification? What do we seek after? During this fixed season, we don't worry about spring, we don't worry about later, we don't worry about whatever. When Brother Fred comes back, what we worry about is right there in the scripture. We seek after him. His rulership in our life and his righteousness in our life, that's all that we seek after, period. That's it. And I think if we can focus in on that, the reason he says you don't have to worry about everything else is because that has enough of a pursuit in it, right? That's a 24-7, seven-day-a-week thing that we're to do. Seeking after the rulership of Christ in our life. And there's no reason to think that we're going to just leak or we're going to have just kind of go along or people just disappear or don't know where they are. And then Brother Fred comes back and everybody shows back up. Let's not do that. We're above that, right? I don't know. Maybe that makes somebody mad. I don't know. If we do that, you're, you're chasing after a man. I, I don't know how else to say it. Because Jesus is found in the book. Jesus is found on the cross. Jesus is found on our knees next to our bed at night. Jesus is found on our knees next to our bed when we wake up. Jesus is found as we drive in the car and talk to Him. Jesus is found when we're facing adversity and we don't know where else to go and we lean on Him. Jesus is found in every part of our life when we seek His rulership in our life. So what do we seek? You see, the flip side of that is We can have a great, wonderful church. And even when Brother Fred is here. And we can become easily sit back because he's a wonderful teacher of the word. Where we rely upon his teaching to feed us. And that makes us extremely lazy. Does that make sense too? I read an article a couple of weeks ago. It was great. Whoever wrote it, I'm sure got some... Disagreeing ugly emails, but I thought it was great. He talked about with all of the modern Bible studies that we have, and some of them are so good. You know, the Beth Moores and 
Blackabees and all these modern different books and so much on the radio. I mean, we've got a lot of good quality stuff in Bible studies in, in around us that, that's right here at our disposal. Even my Bible. I got, this Bible is, is tremendous. I mean, half the guys that I had in seminary edited this Bible and wrote notes on the bottom of it. It's great. And your Bible, you might have a study Bible, it's got all these notes. You know what's easy to happen? And this is what this guy said. He said, it's easy for us to read the notes or to rely on the Bible study, what God told someone else instead of what God has really revealed to us. Therefore, we always live in immaturity and superficial faith instead of really hearing from God in the depth of our soul where God wants to speak to us the most. Because we rely on someone else to hear from God instead of us hearing from God. How can God speak to us through his word if we're not in his word? So we're going to wrap up in a second. I'll put the other two sermons on the shelf for another day. (laughs) If we will join God And see him at work. And we see God at work and we'll join him in that work. Then we're in to see God continue to do great and mighty things. But if we don't, y'all are looking like, well, who is that guy and what are they going to do? They're going to sing the invitation. Right? Right? That is what you're doing. If we turn around and we miss the opportunities that God gives to us, we're foolish. That's all I'm saying. But we're going to be wise at Luke 418 Fellowship. We're going to pursue God. We're going to seek after Him. We're going to make the most of this season. And we're going to absolutely press in to Christ and ask for his pouring out to us. You know, go back real quick. I left something. I didn't leave it off, but it's in my mind. Go back to Ephesians 5. Verse 17, where we left off. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And then he goes on to say this, and this is good. Do not be drunk with wine in which you... Dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So he says, listen, you want to know the Lord's will for this season? Be filled with the Spirit. He goes on and says, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Well, those are singing praises about Christ to one another. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's when you're going down the road driving in your car. I'm thinking about right now, Pam and I are looking at it. It getting a house. We ran across over in Daphne and we're looking and we're driving and we're looking all over Mobile and we've been looking, trying to figure out where we're going to go and where we're going to do and do we build, do we buy and all this stuff. And so now we've started looking back across the bay and, you know, and I'm thinking, boy, that's a lot of driving. But the truth is, I'll be honest, I love driving across the bayway and talking to Jesus every morning. 
So it's not a bad drive when you're talking to Jesus every day. I'm afraid if I lived across the street from University of Mobile, I'd talk to Jesus about 60 seconds, and that's not enough. I'm not saying that's the only time I talk to him is in the car, but, you know, it's a special time to pray and talk to Jesus. Every day from the time I leave my driveway to Cochrane Bridge, that's my, me and the Lord's time to talk. Making melody in your heart, in our hearts, to the Lord. Giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitting to one another in the fear of God. In other words, humbly, being humble before one another. 